have a more intimate relationship. You need to be vulnerable and talk about what's really going on underneath the surface. And what I say in the book is I call that the inner iceberg conversations. Hello and welcome back to the Executive Leadership Podcast. Man, oh man, we have a great interview in store for you today. Today we have Carolyn Stern. Carolyn Stern is a certified emotional intelligence and leadership development expert, professional speaker, and university professor. Carolyn's emotional intelligence courses and modules have been adopted by top universities in North America. She has also provided comprehensive training programs to business leaders across the continent and highly regarded corporations emphasizing industries such as technology, financing, manufacturing, healthcare, government, and food services. Carolyn's passion is teaching emotional intelligence, leadership, and team building in the workplace. She drives individuals and corporations to learn how to connect authentically, communicate effectively, and, and thrive collectively by interweaving emotional intelligence along the way. We are so excited to have Carolyn on the podcast today as we interview her on her brand new book, The Emotionally Strong Leader. We hope you enjoy and we'll see you on the other side. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for uh, joining us to have a discussion about your new book, The Emotionally Strong Leader. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm doing really great. Nice to be here. So before we get to go any further, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where, what's your background and uh, what's, you know, a little bit about yourself. So I'm an author, as you said, of The Emotionally Strong Leader, an inside-out journey to transformational leadership. I'm also the president and CEO of EI Experience, and we are a, in a leadership development and emotional intelligence training firm. Uh, I'm a certified emotional intelligence and leadership development expert. I'm a professional speaker and a university professor. Well, excellent. So what really drove you towards this interest in emotional intelligence? Well, I don't know if you gentlemen can relate, but for many decades, my emotions ran havoc of my life with a laundry list of undesirable consequences. But what I realized is just because I'm an emotional person, which just means I feel things deeply, doesn't mean that I'm weak. What was getting in my way was not that I was emotional, but that I wasn't paying attention to understanding and managing my emotions. That's what was ruining my world, not the fact that I feel and felt and still feel things very strongly. So I think since the days of my childhood, I've really come to learn that emotions aren't the enemy. We need to make friends of our feel with our feelings. You know, they're not a sign of weakness. I think really demonstrating um, vulnerability, speaking your truth and telling other, others how you really feel is our superpower. And I think we need to stop being so afraid of emotions. So, uh, Carolyn, so we're both, Travis and I, we're both from the aviation industry, and oftentimes uh, we've experienced cultures where it's a pretty intense operation, 24-7 almost, and we're often told to leave our emotions with the door, at the door. So how do we go and bring, you know, make that emotional connection with with uh, with our teams when we're being told to to leave that at the door? Well, I think people are a lot like an iceberg. So when you think of what killed the Titanic, it wasn't the little piece of ice above the waterline. It was that piece of ice below the waterline, right? And um, when we act with people, the experiences that they typically share with us is just akin to that tip of the iceberg. They only see what is immediately apparent. But what I think what we need to realize is we need, we're kind of underestimating what lies underneath. So much of our communication and, and actions, gentlemen, 
revolve around like are colored around our our what's below the surface right our past experiences our motivators our stressors our fears um our our assumptions our biases all of those hidden elements really determine how we behave outwardly and interact with others and so to gain that emotional connection that you're talking about Cameron you need to have a more intimate relationship you need to be vulnerable and talk about what's really going on underneath the surface and what I say in the book is I call that the inner iceberg conversations. This is really about getting to the heart of the matter. What's behind your communications? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was in math class, my teacher said, show your work. Well, really what emotional intelligence is, is showing people what's going on with why you came to the decision you did or why you're stating the communication you are in the way that you're doing it. And I think that if we can think of relationships more like an investment, we realize, you know, the more we contribute to those relationships, the more we rewarded we are in the long run. And I think if we can have those more intimate conversations, it'll change the, the future of work. That's so true, Carolyn. And, you know, I think you touched on something with relational equity. And I think oftentimes um, I've encountered situations where, um, where leaders really they don't want to put their emotions into their work they think of it this is strictly business this is strictly business they go in their day to day and they don't make that emotional connection and then oftentimes it's uh they find the work environment not great and that's when their team members don't don't really connect with the leader because they don't know really what's going on and i know travis and i have experienced this too is when we open up and really spend that time and putting in those deposits, I guess, as I would call it in that relationship, um, it really, really makes a difference. I love that. And I like that you call it deposits because it really is like an investment. I think when a leader chooses to discuss what they're feeling, no longer are you are others experiencing them solely through their outer behavior. But what's rather happening is that deeper connection that's underneath the surface. And when you build that kind of connection with the people you work with, Others feel seen and heard, you feel more cared about and valued. And in a work setting, what does that impact? Dedication, engagement, and fulfillment. And when people feel dedicated, engaged, and fulfilled, how they perform on the job changes for the better. Carolyn, you know, when you've been, have you've gone around and I'm sure you've shared this book in many settings at this point. What have you found as the reason behind why most people don't want to share their emotions? What's the barrier that's having to be knocked down? Yeah. Well, right now, many corporations, workers are subconsciously encouraged to keep those taboo emotions under wraps. So in, what, what, are we, what are we told to do? Smile at your desk, but cry in the bathroom, right? Mm -hmm. um, this leads to overvaluing our positive emotions and undervaluing our negative ones. But here's the thing. When we experience both positive and negative emotions in a healthy, sustainable way, they provide valuable information about ourselves and teach us critical lessons. So every single emotion has value. Let's take let's take shame, for instance. You know, Cameron, if I wanted to steal that really nice sweater you're wearing, probably the what what stops me is I'm fearful if I steal it and people find out, I'll feel ashamed. Well, guess what? That a feeling makes me keep me keeps me boundaried, makes me stop stealing your sweater. And so every emotion for good or for bad provides us a gift and it gives us information. And one of the questions, as you saw, gentlemen, in the book that I asked several times is not only what are you feeling, but what is that feeling telling you about you? 
So I'm going to ask you right now, Travis, I'll start with you. What are you feeling in this moment? And a one word feeling. And don't say good, because good is not a feeling. Uh, interesting. Interested. Interested. Okay. And what is that feeling telling you about you? That I'm probably in the right spot right now. Mm, right. That you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Cameron, what about you? What are you feeling in this moment? Grateful. Mm, and what is that feeling telling you about you? Uh, that's. I'm grateful for every opportunity that comes my way, such as this podcast interview and grateful for um, a good round of golf in the winter. <laughs> well, I'll be honest, uh, gentlemen, I want to live in a world where there are emotionally strong leaders, where we're tending to emotion in the workplace isn't taboo. I want leaders to model that you can be emotional and strong. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. I want us to basically um, emotionally mentor the next generation of the workforce so that a decade um, from today will be a way more emotionally connected workplace um, is more the norm than the exception. And I think and the reason why I called the book an inside out journey to transformational leadership is really I want you to go on a journey with me in this book and by going on looking on inside. What's going on inside? What is my emotional makeup? How is it helping and hurting my leadership? The moment I realized that I was too flexible and I over-accommodated as a leader and I was too needy and I cared too much about what people think, that was a big aha moment for me because I realized how my emotional makeup was helping and hurting. Now, being flexible in this day and age is a good thing as a leader because mm -hmm. absolutely, especially with everyone's work um, expectations and patterns have changed. But when I'm too flexible, I can flip-flop. I can change my mind all the time. One employee can say one thing and another employee can say something else and I can be easily swayed. Well, sometimes as a leader, you got to make stringent, a stringent, be more stringent and, and, and make a more tough decision that not everyone's going to like. So the work that I have to do in the book is to lower my flexibility and increase my independence. But you both have your own emotional journey that you have to go go on and if you do and if you're brave enough to kind of really take a good honest look in the mirror and say hey you know how am I showing up as a leader because who you are is how you lead then you can future proof your leadership and enable emotional growth around of, of those around you I've done research on this as well just like you have is there are in leadership you need a high level of emotional intelligence um and, you know, it's important to have emotions uh, involved um, in leadership, but I've seen it where leaders have issues with controlling their emotions. When yeah. they're exhausted, they make it very obvious they're exhausted. When they're stressed, they show it. When they, then they yell. Um, you know, why, why, why is this happening where, um, or how do we get control of our emotions? Well, I think the first thing people really need to know is feelings. We need to make friends with our feelings, right? Emotions are not the enemy. Feelings are not facts. They're just feelings. You remember that song? Maybe you're too young, but in my day, there was a song called Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. I mean, feelings are just <laughs> feelings, not good or bad, right or wrong, but just an emotional experience or reaction to a, to a person, event, or situation. I mean, they're transient right? They, they merely, they're a temporary response that helps us adapt to new opportunities or situations or challenges, but they're not always final or factual, but fleeting and subjective. Now, 
I like to say they're like clouds. They float into our minds and, the, and they blow away and leave. And we can feel different, different feelings throughout the day on any given day. Here's the trick. The trick is how do you distance yourself from your feelings? Take a step back, become an observer, right? Learning to be an observer of our emotions, almost looking from, from above. You can take the emotional charge out of situations, almost like you're a director in your own film. Say, hey, this actor, Carolyn, she's really overwhelmed. I wonder what's going on for, for Carolyn and have the director help Carolyn respond appropriately. The problem is feelings are so personal. It's hard to be an objective bystander of our feelings. What emotional intelligence does is it gives you the tools and the confidence to use those tools to deal with those personal and, temp and temporal feelings, taking the time to understand their meaning, where they come from and why they're there. And it's really learning to take back the, the power your emotions have over you and look objectively of why you're feel, what you're feeling and why you're feeling what you're feeling. And it's then being more intelligent about your emotions. Like I said in the beginning, I feel things very deeply, gentlemen, but I'm also stronger and bigger than my feelings. It's thinking clearer to prevent yourself from acting out and having a reaction to a fleeting experience define you forever. And for me, I still feel things deeply and I still cry at every sad movie and I still can get mad and, and I still can be passionate. However, I don't let my emotions take over. I'm in the driver's seat of my emotions. And that's the key. And it took me 20 years of research to, to find strategies to be stronger than my emotions. It's being intelligent about my feelings. Now, here's, here's the challenge or here's what I wanna say. I called the book, The Emotionally Strong Leader for a reason. Strong doesn't mean strong arming your feelings or having a steely resolve not to feel. All that means is that you realize that, hey, listen, I feel things. I understand them. I recognize where they come from. I label them appropriately. I express them constructively and I learn to regulate them. That's the key to emotional intelligence. You know, this really uh, becomes very personal for me because I have uh, a family member who was in, in the military for about 25 years and he was really trained to isolate emotions and to just basically make them non-existent and the th the the things he's had to go through later in life to even become even able to enter society and function has been extremely hard because he he's not uh dealt with his emotions versus someone who you know can kind of live with their emotions in the moment and kind of manage them and, and kind of feel them and then still make logical decisions that uh that's that's such a challenging thing to see someone else go through um it just shows so much so how do we grow our emotional intelligence how do we actually take that step in getting better yeah so just today i had a training program with about 35 people on a zoom call and the whole point is determining what our emotional makeup is is influenced both by nature and nurture right? Genetic influences, but also environmental influences. And you said it before, Travis, if this person that you're speaking about grew up in a family that was a told to shove your feelings, you know, sweep them under the carpet, pretend that they don't exist, you know, suck it up, buttercup, be strong, don't be weak, don't show feelings. Well, if they didn't learn that at home, how the heck are they going to, and we're certainly not teaching them this at schools because I'm a university professor teaching for 25 years. I'm telling you, we're graduating these kids without having an emotional education. Mm -hmm. 
and then we're, they're 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 um, sent to the office, and it becomes your responsibility as leaders to manage this when you yourself haven't had an emotional education. The good news is anyone, no matter where you come from, can learn, develop, and enhance their EI skills. And um, and and in order to do that, you need to understand your emotional nuances, right? And it's really the key to unlocking your leadership potential. So what we do is, in, I, what I do is in the book, I take people through reviewing your emotional intelligence skills. There are 15 different skills and ask you which of those skills are impacting you the most, both in your career and your life. And this self-awakening process can be really transformational and life-affirming and powerful, but it's really a self-assessment. You got to look at yourself, take a good, honest look in the mirror and say, hey, what's really going on? And is it hurting or helping me? And so we, I break down uh, this into 15 categories, 15 different skills, but that's just the first step of my six-step process. The second step, once you assess yourself, you've got to figure out do people see me the way I see myself? Mm. <laughs> Got to consult others. I mean, the biggest learning for me is when I asked five people questions that I that I asked myself, they gave me different answers. I had blind spots. The way I perceived myself was inevitably flawed. So your self-perception is most most times inevitably flawed. And that's based on our life's lived experience. So what we do is in the book, I say, okay, first connect with yourself, figure out what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. I also talk about the dark side of emotional intelligence, which is when you're too much of something. Think about this, um, Cameron, if you have too much empathy and you care too much about people, well, the dark side of that is you get enmeshed in people's stuff. You don't set good boundaries. You wear their emotional burdens on your shoulders. If you've got the dark side of impulse control, maybe you take forever to make a decision because you're so indecisive. I mean, there's a dark side to each one of these 15 competencies. And once you figure out where you land and then you ask others where they think you land, then you can get clarity on, hey, what are the things I need to work on? And in the book, we give you tips and tools and strategies, 60 of them, actually. I, give, I, I lay that out in the book and I say, okay, how can you work on those 15 uh, skills by using these six, 60 strategies. And then you get to determine what your emotional um, strategy and, and emotional regulation technique is going to be to help you be the best you you can be. What you wrote about is so needed in leadership and so needed to, to bring bring light into our emotional intelligence. Um, so out of everything that you've written in this book, what is one thing that you hope people truly get out of, of this book? I think if I could tell every business leader who's struggling to get the results that they want, it would be this. Don't be afraid of your emotions, yours or others. Emotions are incredibly powerful and full of wisdom and insights. And if you can use that data to, to figure out a little bit more about you, the world and others, um, we're going to, you're going to be in such much more of a powerful place. So if you harness your, your emotions rather than fearing them, you know, celebrate them for what they are, that's our uh, our superpower. And we all have it within us. We all have a different emotional makeup. We just need to know what which which skills need attention and which ones are our strength. You know, sometimes I think, you know, we we do leadership training ourselves and we, we work with different organizations. And one of the things I often see, you know, especially new and young managers struggle with is, you know, there's there's more than one step. 
So if I, if you had 30 seconds to a minute with a brand new manager, brand new person leader, you know, and you could share with them that one thing that say, Hey, you know, there's a lot of things you're going to have to learn, obviously. Uh, but if there's that one starting point, what would you say it would be? I think the biggest thing that I am seeing that leaders forget both brand new people in the roles and people and seasoned professionals is they don't realize that as leaders, you're teachers. Mm-hmm. And as teachers, as the university professor, I know their answers to their exam, but I don't give it to them or else they're not learning. I think the biggest mistake that leaders make is we give our employees the answers rather than coaching them to figure out the solutions themselves. And so, and that's the problem. If you actually, science shows that Gen Zs who are going to make up between the millennials and Gen Zs by 2025 are going to make up 65% of the workforce. Gen Zs are worse at problem solving, stress tolerance, and independence than any generation before. Why? Because they grew up with phones and helicopter parents. Mm. Because we've been giving them the answers at their fingertips. You know, I was interviewed at the heat of the pandemic saying there was a silver lining to the pandemic. I wasn't discrediting the lost lives, the lost jobs, the isolation that laid bare. But what I was saying is it gave these young people an opportunity to be emotionally resilient because guess what? Google and their parents did not know the answer of how to survive through a pandemic. They had to figure that out themselves. So if I could teach at leaders, the, the, the big mistake I think they're making is they forget that there are teachers and teachers not only do not give the answers and become the problem solving hero for the students, they coach the students to figure it out themselves, but they also tell the students what a good job looks like. So if you complete this assignment, this is how you're gonna get an A. A lot of times as leaders, we assign a task and I just say, hey, Travis, I need you to do a budget. Well, Travis goes out with his buddies for for beers and starts writing the budget on a napkin and hands it in to me the next day and said, I did the budget. And I'm like, that's not what my expectations were. I needed to explain how long I expected him to take, what I was evaluating him on, attention to detail, that I needed on an Excel document. I wanted pivot tables. I need to get very clear on what success looks like. So I think a lot of times as leaders, we forget to assign a task clearly and we forget that we do not have to be the problem solving hero we just need to ask questions and let the employee figure it out themselves so um before we move any further into we got a little bonus round we like to go through with everyone um what is the best way for people to be able to get access to your content and everything that you're doing right now well i have two websites carolynstern.com and eiexperience.com. So EI Experience is our leadership development and emotional intelligence training firm where we train corporations and top universities on lots of different programs across the uh, continent. Uh, Carolyn Stern is one if people want to book me for a keynote or uh, want some individualized, individualized coaching specifically for me, they can reach me there. And um, the book, if people want to purchase the book, they can go on carolynstern.com book. Uh, They can find their favorite retailer and they absolutely can purchase the book uh, there where we also have corporate discounts. So if people want to buy a a slew of books for their corporation, because that is actually what we're doing a lot of book club series with corporations, they buy the book and together as an organization, we, we work them through the chapters in the book because the book, as you know, gentlemen, has a workbook attached to it. Mm -hmm. So there is a workbook and What people don't know, because I didn't mention it anywhere in the book, at the very last page of the book, there's a QR code. 
And that QR code, if you click on it, will send you to a whole other website where there's seven videos and additional workbooks. So there's a whole mm. book and a half when you purchase this book. Lots of resources. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for writing this book. This, this is like one of those books we, 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 we've all reflected upon and said this was well, much needed uh, in the leadership space. What, what, Travis, what resonated with you the most in the book? I mean, just the overall topic of talking about your emotions. Um, we, I have, I have had a very uh, difficult time trying to communicate this to people in, in our industry um, because I've literally had managers tell me, you know, I expect you to check whatever problems going on at home, whatever emotions driving you that day you know, check it at the door and to have someone just boldly state and, and, you know, with science backing it up saying that this is not the number one, this is not the way, uh, the, these, you know, the Gen Zers and the millennials are going to do it. They're just not going to allow it to happen that way. And that's what I've been saying is like, whether you like it or not, this is the way the world's moving. Um, but that it's, you know, that there's 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 deep science behind this that shows this this we this is how we're going to have a healthy organization. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when everybody's screaming from the mountaintops, I can't retain employees. I can't keep anybody to work for me. This is the answer. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think emotional intelligence is the answer to all our personal and interpersonal problems in the workplace and beyond. Cameron, what resonated with you with the book? I think the fact that it confirmed. Um what I've sort of been practicing. I think um, I saw a lot of good leaders and bad leaders throughout my frontline and also middle manager experience. And it just affirms that I'm continuing to go in the right direction because it is challenging when you're led by leaders that don't have that, they have that low level of emotional intelligence. And sometimes that could be discouraging and you know, just having emotions in the work environment. Um, but it, it just shows affirmation. Um, that you know to continue to to um, develop my level of emotional intelligence, but not, not only that, but help others develop their emotional intelligence because um, I think spreading that message is is key, and it's a vital role for success in in leadership overall. Yes, absolutely, and you know to create a movement, it starts with us, right? It starts with us, and it stays with them. So we've got to be brave. And be the first and the ones to go first. And to me, that's the definition of leadership. It's not about being mm -hmm. the best, it's about being willing to go first. And I think if we can all be brave and say, hey, I'm not, you know, even though I've been studying this for 20 years and my card says EI expert, I struggle with this as much as everybody else. I didn't have emotionally superb role models. Let's get real, right? <laughs> um, and, and like I said at the very beginning, I had a laundry list of consequences because my emotions ran amok. But what I have done for the last two decades is learn to be stronger and gain the mental skills to be bigger than those emotions. And I think it's important what you said there, because, you know, you said, you know, you let your emotions kind of take the, get the best of you, but then you have people on the other side that you've addressed in the book that they suppress their emotions. So it's yeah. like, no matter what side of you you're on this, you're not in a healthy position. No. And so, you know, it's interesting. It's about creating that balance. Knowing mm -hmm. when we swung too far and not far enough. And that's the key. This isn't about only gaining high emotional intelligence. And I say that several times in the book. It is about gaining balance. And so if for me, I'm an oversharer, 
and you, Travis, are an undershare, the emotional strategy I'm going to tell you is to talk a little bit more about your feelings. And the emotional strategy I'm going to tell me is to talk a little less right. about my feelings. Right. And so everyone's going to have a different exercise, like exercises. I call these emotional muscles. Right. Just supposedly I have a six pack under here. I have yet to see it. If I did more crunches, it would probably come out. Well, it's the same thing with emotional muscles. Some of my muscles might be naturally large and some of them might be underutilized. I need to do more more exercises on the ones that are underutilized. I need to stop doing exercises on the ones that are overutilized and the ones that are just right. I just need to leave them alone and not do many exercises and just keep them at bay. That's the key to success. Hmm. So we'd like to go into this little bonus round as we kind of wrap up. And uh, so first question, favorite book that you've read in the last six months? Well, I've reread it because it's one of my favorites and it's called To Sell uh, Is Human by Daniel Pink. Mm. Yeah, great book. Great book on the fact that we're all selling even if we're not in sales. And it's the, you know, the art of persuasion. And then uh, what, what have you done in your life that you suggest everybody do at least once? Okay, well, this is easy. <laughs> learn to enhance your emotional intelligence. <laughs> uh, I, I really feel that it is, you know, not only did it help me personally in my life by helping me lose 125 pounds, but it helped me uh, professionally. I've never been more successful, more content, more happy. Um, and it is all because of emotional intelligence. And I found this by literally taking an emotional intelligence assessment about 20 years ago. And when I saw my results, mm -hmm. I went, holy cow, now I know why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. And once I kind of, you know, it was, took a step back and go, okay, it gave me a roadmap on what to do about my emotions and how to be stronger and bigger than them. And then I spent the last 20 years researching more because guess what? There's no degree in emotional intelligence out there. So I had to do this all on my own on the side of my desk and just research as much as I can, uh, both in the field and, and in books to find out how do we become bigger and stronger than our emotions. Would, would you say that the academic world is just now really starting to accept this as a part of the like leadership? Yes, absolutely. Space? And in, yeah, absolutely. So in my university where I teach, it took me five years to lobby to get this course in the school mm. of business. Why? Because my faculty told me it wasn't academic enough. But you and I both know, first of all, Yale has a center of emotional intelligence. So if Yale, the cream of the crop, is telling us that this <laughs> is actually, there's some science behind this, this isn't just some, uh, you know, touchy, feely topic, uh, you know, there, there is some, some truth to that. But it took me five years. And I think the problem is we all know that what got you hired might be your IQ. But what's going to get you promoted is going to be your EQ because you are dealing with people and people are creatures of emotions. And if we start learning how to manage our emotions and also learn how to help others manage theirs, that's the key to unlocking your leadership success. Awesome. And then the last one is dead or alive, who would you like to have lunch with? Well, just because we have so much in common and what we talk about and even how we talk about it is probably Brene Brown, um, mm. because we could compare notes on our research, you know, her research with vulnerability and shame and my research with emotional intelligence. So I think we have a lot to talk about. Well, as always, thank you so much, uh, Carolyn, for joining us today. Uh, everyone go out and, and uh, purchase her new book. It's, it's probably in my top three for 
that I've read so far this year. And uh, it's so important, the emotionally strong leader. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for having me. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Carolyn Stern. We hope we added value to you. We hope we uh, added something to your, your tool belt that you can use moving forward as a leader. If you want to find out more about what we're doing, you can find that out at tcadvisorygroup.com or just follow us on any of our social media platforms. As always, we're here to add value and to serve you. And we thank you so much. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.